Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you for an episode on 24, the recap of season two. You've just sat through 24 episodes of season two when you could have just skipped to this one. You could have just gone, oh, well, I don't need to watch all 24 episodes of season two. I just need to listen to that one episode where Ben and Colin talk a little bit about season two. Go over, 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 over everything uh, and bring you their top five moments because that's what you're all here for and everything else in between. It's been an interesting ride and I'm very intrigued to see how this episode goes. My name is Ben and Jack Bauer. He did find the bomb. Uh, well, we're close. Um, I will say uh, I'm Colin Hilding and we're done with the bomb. <laughs> you're much more musical than I am. It's much more of a singing voice, Colin. Um, good job. Um, yes, yeah, a whole episode two- like this. Yeah. No. Now it's time for our top five moments. That that joke was funny in like episode four. Um, I've, I've moved on. <laughs> uh, thank you, Colin. We're an award-winning podcast duo now. We we don't do silly things like that. Um, this season, it was interesting. <laughs> was it? <laughs> It, like, as I said constantly last year, last season and then throughout this, it's kind of, you know, season two is always that season where it's like, oh, one time I watch, I'm like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. The next time I'm like, eh, that wasn't that great. Um, and I think, yeah, recapping this week to week has been an interesting experience with, you know, we talked last season about how some of 24 maybe doesn't hold up as well as we thought it did, but like we could still basically love it and enjoy it for what it was. And for the most part, season two is that way. But then there are just definitely things this season where you're just kind of like, okay, wow, that's just not good. And, oh, they've rushed that. or oh, that's taking too long. And, oh, there's a cougar. Um, oh, Kim's still in it. Oh, Kim's still in it. Oh, oh, Kim's still in it. She goes missing for two weeks. Oh, but Kim's back. She's going to murder someone. Um, it's just, I mean, look, it's still 24. I'm still going to watch this season over a majority of other TV shows out there. I enjoy it for what it is. But I think... The, the Samurai season two is pretty simple. Never go full nuke. Like it's too, it's you, like you just, you have a simple plot season one. Please don't kill the presidential candidate for California. Season two, we're going to blow up the world with a nuclear bomb and have maybe some world war three. Like just, just never go full nuke. And I think that's the problem that they did in season two. They went full nuke. So uh, yeah, this is, this is a very interesting season. And I think we've had a very interesting time recapping this season. Yeah, um, I mean, I know I said coming into this that I was always a fan of season two, uh, but uh, when you got to take notes and you got to make it your job to pick things apart because that's what award-winning podcasters do. We're trying to bring our level of professionalism up to off-the-podium standards. 
you find a lot of problems. I would say even, even taking that out of the picture, even just watching this as a fan, there are, I think, way too many things where the writers struggled to know what they were doing from week to week. And I'm going to be curious next year to see, we're going to wait a whole year for season three, <laughs> the, the next season, uh, to see whether or not I find some of those same struggles. Because I, I think by the time we get to season four, the fact that they decided they wanted to air it straight through, no breaks, that you had a shorter window from episode one to episode 24, there was obviously a lot more planning that went in there. Uh, this whole season, I mean, it's one of these things where I don't think you could really find fault with a single person. It's not the writers because the writers were doing, you know, what they were told to do. It's not the producers because the producers had the networks interviews. It's not even the network's fault because they're like, what do we do with a show like this? We had an idea for one season. Now you have a second season. You're changing stories throughout. You have right from the beginning, way too many characters. Like there are just obvious problems that it doesn't even take somebody who's looking to nitpick the season to find about it. Having said that, I think the the most surprising thing whenever you do uh, rewatch something that you maybe haven't watched in a long time is finding those things that maybe you weren't big fans of going in and coming out and being like, wow, that was better than I thought. And I think that's what I'll walk away from the season most pleasantly surprised with is there were things that I thought nothing of. And now having watched the season as a whole, even though there were other things that disappointed me on a rewatch, there's things that kind of made up for it and improved on a rewatch. And I think... The thing that I don't know if we even touched on is that I feel this season almost had the faults with it that a lot of movie sequels have in the fact that you you have your first movie, it becomes a big success, it it, it becomes a success for many reasons, wins awards, you know, and kind of it's like, wow, this is groundbreaking, this is great. So when you do a sequel, you've then got to go bigger, better, and like, oh, how are we going to top this? We've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. So... Again, it's kind of like, oh, season one, it was this, but now we want to see Jack Bauer try and stop a bomb. So, like, it's kind of like that's why they go full nuclear and it's kind of like you're going to see that the next season. They kind of scale it back, you know, so it's kind of um, it's sort of what they do. And then it's not like this is going to be the first and only time we ever revisit the idea of, oh, my God, there's a nuclear bomb in America. Um, you know, they do this at least another three, four times. Season four's kind of got a nuclear bombish sort of mm-hmm. five Sort of. Well, no, no, six, obviously. Um, and then I think eight does seven. Yeah, look, it's been a while. Anyway, so like this is a common thing. <laughs> like it's, you know, trust me, the later seasons we get to 24, we're definitely going to be talking about a lot of repetitive storylines. But, um, you know, it's, yeah. But again, this, I think we both know where we're going to rank this when it comes to ranking them between one and two. <laughs> um, but like... <laughs> It's it's definitely one that I, I always knew when we were going to do season two where it's just like, okay, like where's my bipolar scale going to be? And I've got to say, obviously, I think for the most part, as people probably have been listening week to week, hello, Ian, that um, it's been not exactly as high as season one. And I know, for example, season one, I'm very much higher on it than I think you are um, because obviously, you know, a lot of later seasons kind of a more often regarded than season one, but season one will always hold a special place in my heart. So, or a season two, I mean, you know, there's a good, there's the bad, and there's the ugly. There you go. That's a movie reference. Um, speaking of references, I feel like we've done pretty badly so far in 2022. Uh, that joke will probably wash up on a beach somewhere. Um, <laughs> so, uh, bring back the sand. They, they were easier jokes, let's be honest. Um, so I guess kind of what we obviously do, if people don't know, listen to these sort of style episodes, we just kind of 
go over a few little things, wrap things up, and then uh, go through rankings in terms of, um, you know, the seasons and then our big top five. So the main thing we kind of do is just give a brief overview of the season. Um, generally with 24, you obviously kind of have three acts basically, but really this season kind of only really has two. Um, you, you know, I don't really feel there's three in season two. And according to Wikipedia, there are also only two acts. So the whole first act, which is about CTU and Jack Bauer trying to find the bomb, uh, and then basically the bomb goes off, and then they've got to try and stop World War Three. Uh, so Jack trying to find a recording, and uh, a recording which is proven to be real, only if he said, no, joking, it's not real. Please, you know, find that this is recording is fake so we can stop the war. Um Basically, your two sections, they're not even, they're not even halves, really, because, I mean, the bomb mock goes off in, like, episode 15 or whatever it was, and then you've kind of got another nine episodes to kind of close it off. So this is a, a very unique season of 24 in the fact that you've kind of only got the two. But um, I'm going to go through the major subplots according to Wikipedia. Um, so if there's any here that I uh, don't mention that we feel should be mentioned, then feel free, and we can sort of talk about what worked, what didn't work. Um, so, uh, major subplots following the death of his wife and unborn baby at the season uh, end of season one, Jack Bauer retires from CTU. I don't know if he retired. I think he just went home and mourned. Um, still, yeah, he's still on personal leave. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Kim is on the run, having rescued a young girl from her abusive father. Oh God. Remember that. Um, (laughs) Kate Warner suspects that her sister's Middle Eastern fiance is a terrorist racist. Um, CTU is blown up with C4 to divert resources to cripple its ability to find the bomb. Um, every time I see C4, it just reminds you of Rush Hour. That's C4? I've been looking all over town for that shit, man! <laughs> George Mason, director of CTU, is exposed to a lethal, lethal dose of radiation. Jack tries to repair his relationship with his daughter, Kim, and spends much of the day worrying about her safety. Well, that's not unique to season two. <laughs> Every single fucking day Kim's involved. Um, Jack develops a heart condition after being tortured by terrorists. (laughs) President Palmer faces traitors in his own cabinet who attempt to remove him from power to advance their own agenda. Well, that's a bit of a stretch. I wouldn't call them traitors. I would call them concerned for the safety of their country and therefore they pursue... Like, that's a... Come on, Wikipedia. We, we were reminded many times in this season, they have followed the Constitution. What they have done is legal. And who attempt to remove him from power to advance their own agenda. Like, in all seriousness, like, I know we don't necessarily agree with what they're doing, but at the same time, you can kind of see why they want to go to war. They just got nuked. Um, so. Yeah, well, it's not like the storyline of, you know, we want oil was part of that government's plot. That's a Kingsley thing that's unrelated. They mm-hmm. just wanted to go to war to defend their country. And the last two here, the, the key subplots of season two, the personal relationship between Tony Almeida and Michelle Dessler begins to develop and the relationship between Jack Bauer and Kate Warner also begins to develop. <laughs> we had like one episode of that. That's barely anything. Um, and even in the game, it's barely touched on. Can I just point that out? <laughs> I don't know if you've watched all the game clips yet, but we'll get to that next week. Um, yeah, I mean, look, obviously this season's all about the nuke and then the second part is all about the stopping the recording. Um, I mean, 
you know, obviously, if you had to choose between the two, the recording storyline, I think, was more intriguing, um, yeah. which I kind of feel bad talking about because, like, it should be all about the nuke, but it, it really wasn't. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just even reading those storylines on paper doesn't, to me, sell this season amazing. I mean, Kate, the Kate Warner storyline, at least the early part, was great. Um, I like, obviously, the, the Mason stuff, like kind of just him being redeemable and then obviously, you know, being Mr. Suicide Bomber in the end. Um, like, the Palmer drama was, I mean, I think we talked about for the most part how Palmer was kind of a shit president for most of this season before he kind of became presidential by the end of it. Um, I'm, I'm on board with the Tony and Michelle stuff, obviously. I'm very team Tony Michelle, so I, I kind of like that and... Although, again, you make them like kiss and I love that scene and then kind of you lose that tension. Um, but, I mean, everything else, it's kind of like, don't get me started on Kim. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, like the, the heart condition, which they forgot about for most of the part afterwards. And then all of a sudden, oh, fuck, he's got a heart condition. Better bring that in in the second last episode. Um, yeah, I feel like they don't mention anything about Sherry there or Nina. Uh, who kind of are involved, I guess, in the bomb situation. So I guess that's kind of where it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, anything to add on these or any sort of storylines that aren't mentioned there? I mean, we didn't mention the um, the Three Stooges terrorists driving the bomb around Los Angeles. <laughs> Duh, what are we going to do with the bomb, boss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys are great. Uh, give them a spinoff. <laughs> they should have been the stars of 24 Redemption. Let's let's go back to some classic characters. I want to see those three mixed with like Nick Offerman, um, the guy from Breaking Bad, and just like, you know, kind of have this like odd couple comedy of the three (laughs) terrorists and the three racists. What are they going to do this week? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And and the the Warners could be leading up both clans, Kate leading up the racists and Marie leading up the terrorists. And then Bob just sitting there being TV's John Terry. Yeah, writing through those storylines, like it, it's it's again one of the problems with this show this season is that there is so much going on and yet so little substance there. You know, I don't think we needed a lot of these plots, um, particularly when you said the Jack's heart condition. Like we've joked about that almost every week for the last six, seven weeks. And yet still, when you brought that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was part of the show. Like, we're making jokes about it. That storyline washed up on a beach somewhere. You know, perfect. <laughs> but uh <laughs> It's just, it was unnecessary. There were other things you could have done. You know, we talked about how much we love the idea of Jack actually kind of coming unhinged. Not just people saying, you know, Jack, can he be trusted? He's still mourning his wife. He's still suicidal. Why is he just suddenly okay after episode one, you know? Uh, But yeah, you know, the the Warner storyline worked a lot better than That's one of those things I was talking about uh, before where I didn't expect it to play as well as it did. Uh, and let's include Reza as part of that. It's not just the Warners. I mean, Reza's story arc, I think, is amazing. Uh, and, um, you know, the Tony Michelle stuff, I mean, it definitely hit. And I don't think that anybody expected it to. I mean, we, we kind of know there was no plans for that from the beginning. Mason stuff works. You know, a lot of the storylines do work. But then it's just let's throw spitballs and see what sticks. And that pretty much was what summed up Kim for the entire season. You know, let's just try something. And all oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else next week. Uh, and then other things like the, the, the CTU bombing. I mean, Hey, it was a great moment. That. Yeah. It, like that, that's part of the problem is that it's such a major moment and it's, it's almost like the bomb. 
people just sort of forgot about the bomb after a while. Like a bomb went off. We want to see more of this. We want to see the fallout from that. We want more panicking. And the CTU bombing, you know, it, it, it kind of worked. I don't think they handled it right, but it kind of worked a certain level for a few episodes. And then every once in a while, you're just like, oh, somebody better take a look at that pillar there that's about to collapse on Paul's corpse. There's like always a random construction worker in every single – yeah, like it's – and I mean like again, we always say this TV show has got a TV show, 24 has got a 24, it's got to move on. But I mean we had that last season, didn't we, where it was kind of like, hey, remember that 747 that blew up over the Mojave Desert? Let's just move yeah. on from that because the presidential candidate might be about to be shot. Um, so it's – you know, I guess like it's kind of that – take the sense of realism out of it because again a nuclear bomb's gone off in the u.s and this season ends with president palmer basically going, everyone go back to school come on kids fucking go learn your math (laughs) (laughs) i just want i just want the the video game to be so palmer ordered everybody to go back to work and then another new (laughs) kid yeah oh shit we didn't check out the second one um Again, that was again. Uh, we'll do the twenty-four episode of uh, the Simpsons, where like it ends with basically. Um, I can't remember how it ends, but like Jack Bauer's like on the phone to Bart Simpson or something like that, going like, "Oh, we made we made tough call, calls, but don't worry, we stopped the explosion." And then you see in the background a nuclear bomb go off, and he's like, "It's okay, that was Shelbyville." Um, so, <laughs> like, it just it just reminds you of that. But um, yeah, like it's. I mean those things kind of do weigh on you a little bit when you watch this like back to back and you kind of, again, you're meant to suspend disbelief. I understand that. We can't just have 12 hours of the fallout from the nuclear bomb, like literally and figuratively of like, oh my God, America's in mourning. Like, you know, again, we know what that's like having lived through something like 9-11. So it's kind of like we understand what that's going to be like. So, um, and that's not entertainment. This is entertainment, not realism. So you've got to check your mind at the door. But sometimes it's like, Literally, the first episode is bearded Jack Bauer on his couch. How do I live? Like, hugging Terry. And by the end of it, he's wanting to bone the pretty blonde woman from Pasadena. Like, I mean, it's kind of like Jack gets a boner for helpless blonde women. I'm surprised he's not trying to bone his own daughter. Um, so, uh, I mean, he did well, imagine, with ma- Janet, imagine basically. If, yeah, I was going to say, imagine if she had been cast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but... Um, I mean, like, I think you kind of said you can't fault the writers. You can't fault the acting. In, there's no bad acting yeah. in this season. I mean, this is one thing I think it's, we should really point out. Is, uh. <laughs> well, okay, you can... We, Kate we Marie have a few questionable moments. Yeah, I mean, Sarah Winter and, like, crying and screaming is a bit on the nose. But, like, I mean, it's... You know, like, I mean, Keith Sutherland is brilliant this season. Uh, Dennis Haysbert, brilliant. I mean, we'll go through the cast here in just a second. But it's... Um, yeah, I think for the most part, everybody gives their all. Uh, the action's definitely limited in this season, which you think like a season with a nuclear bomb is going to be more action. But actually, I would say season one had more action than season two. Um, and maybe, like, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because some of the action we had this season, we didn't exactly sing home about, did we? It was kind of only the finale where we're like, okay, this is good action. Um, mm-hmm. And like the plane chase kind of was pretty exciting. But like outside of that, we weren't blown away by the action. Whereas... One of our best episodes of this season is people sitting in a boardroom for forty minutes. Um, so you know, I think I think what season two differs to season one is season one had a good balance of action and non-action, and it kind of it worked. Even the soap opera storylines that we didn't like in season one, like you still would put them above any of the soap opera season uh, stories in season two. Um, so yeah, it's it it was a bit all over the place with certain things, but. Um, 
I don't know if anything I'd have said. Do you have anything to add before we can move on to the, the cast of this season? No, let's move on to the cast. As I have a sip of my coffee, that's awkward. Um, cool, let's do it. Um, so <laughs> the seven main stars of this season, uh, somebody called Kiefer Sutherland, don't know who he played, <laughs> uh, as Jack Bauer. Uh, he was in 24 episodes. Uh, Sarah Winter as Kate Warner in 24 episodes. Carlos Bernard as Tony Almeida in 24 episodes. Dennis Haysbert as President David Palmer in 24 episodes. And then the other main cast who weren't in every single episode, Alicia Cuthbert as Kim Bauer, who was only in 22 episodes. Oh. Um, Xander Berkeley as George Mason in 15 episodes. And Queen Penny Johnson Gerald as Sherry Queen Palmer in 13 episodes. So, I mean, really this season... Uh, you had the addition of Sarah Winter, uh, Xander Berkeley, and Penny Johnson-Gerald, and Carlos Bernard. Of course, he wasn't main cast. So really, the only OGs from season one are Kiefer, Alicia, and Dennis. Uh, we're all on first-name basis with all of them. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we know Kiefer Sutherland's a star, so he's always going to be a standout. But like of of our seven main cast members, did you have a... I guess a favorite that's not Jack. Um, and was there one that like, besides Kim, besides Alicia, that was like, I don't know, like it's, it's hard with 24 to kind of do our usual question on these where it's like, does anyone improve? Does anyone, you know, not improve? Cause they rotate the main cast. I think a lot more on 24 than any of the other shows that we've ever covered. Generally, we're only ever going to have the words, keep Sutherland appear in this every season. Dennis Haysbert for the first three. And then next from next season, actually, is um, Marilyn main cast from season three or season four? There's a question I need to answer. But um, anyway, your best, your worst. Give me, give me your picks. Um, I mean, best is going to be the same as my best from last season. Uh, Xander Berkeley. Uh, he he did well, he something was a main so cast different last with- season, so he's kind of debuting this season it- for you. Yeah, but I mean, in all honesty, I mean, he the presence he had in last season was probably almost the same amount of screen time as well. But uh, he he to me is maybe maybe even by the end of this series, he'll still stand as my favorite supporting character, because what we got with him in season one, I mean, that's just Xander Berkeley's talent. Like You know exactly who he is for the, the first moment he's on screen. You get who this guy is. And yet they throw things at you that can still surprise you in season two. I think that's the, the best thing is that when we get his redemption story arc, it doesn't take a lot. It's, he's not changing a lot. It's not like there's this big revelation where suddenly he's like, I'm going to be a nice guy. And I, uh, he has to have a breakdown, you know, oh, and I was wrong. We pretty much theorized he still goes down as a guy who stole money and <laughs> is crooked and corrupt. Uh, and not good at his job. And really he was a coward. Like, I think that's the the thing that makes it work is that he still, this whole thing started because he was being a coward and then by him forcing himself to be brave, he still had that reputation of, well, that's just Mason. Like, I love that moment where it's like, oh, come on, Mason, stop dodging work. You know, and meanwhile, Mason, Mason's like trying to stop the bomb. Uh, he makes this season. I feel like there's a big gap when he leaves that, Tony can't fill and Chappelle can, but Chappelle comes so late in the season that we're sort of missing that antagonist within their own organization. Uh, Dennis Haysbert, obviously I think uh, it's, it's maybe a bit of a step down from season one, just because he had a lot of sitting around with nothing to do. But I mean, the scenes that he has, I think are stronger than the first season. Uh, Kim is obviously the worst this season. It's definitely not Alicia Cuthbert's fault. I think that she's arguably better as an actress in this season than she was in season one. It's just 
they struggle so much for a purpose with her that you spend the whole season just hoping that she's not going to be there, you know? Uh, and there's really no knock against anybody in the cast this year, but I'll say the same for Tony. I think that Carlos Bernard, his acting is improved from season one, but I still don't think they knew what to do with this character. And we start getting there at the end of this season. And I'm not even talking about the Tony Michelle relationship. We're talking about him just being the boss. We start to get there a little bit, but even that I, I it's going to be by the end of season three, before we really see Tony emerge as like a character that you truly love for better or worse. You love that character. I will just quickly, before I go over some of them, um, Marilyn Radscombe actually doesn't become a main cast member till season five. So she's actually only credited as a recurring character in season three <laughs> and season four. So what? Um, yeah, that's, that's insane. Wow. I think that. And then Rachel Owlsworth, similar to like a Penny Johnson Gerald, she's actually only ever credited as a main cast member in one season, which is next season for Michelle. And then she's only ever recurring in season four and a guest in season five. So it's kind of like, wow. Okay. Um, it's, it's weird how they do the like main cast and guest roles. Um, the fact that, you know, good old James Badge Dale in his one season gets automatically listed in the main cast, but poor old Mary Lynn has got to wait a couple of seasons until she gets, you know, the full paycheck. Oh, and what's, um, I, I can't remember what season is. What's her name? The other CTU boss, um, or not boss. Oh, the- Alberta? Erin Driscoll? No, no. I mean, she, she, I think she definitely has her place. Um, I'm going to have to look it up to see. Um, oh, like uh, the big boss, like, um, um, oh. Uh, there was, no, I, she wife. wasn't a boss. No, she wasn't a boss. Um, she, she came in as like the next Chloe or whatever. Um, I'm looking it up now to see. Uh, uh, I can't remember what season it was. Sarah Gavin. Remember Sarah uh, Gavin? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so she's like a main cast member in season four. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and then she's gone. I mean, it's it's not even like with Paula where they're going to introduce her like she's a main character and kill her off. She was still a guest star. But yeah, 24 had a habit sometimes of making somebody a permanent cast member on the show when they clearly have nothing for them to do. And then it, it's shocking to think that there are other actors who aren't main cast members. You have that with um with Nadia in season six um, you, when you bring in Regina King. Like, I mean, at least she gets like oh, yeah. main cast but then you kind of forget about her as they do with a lot of the palmer stuff come season six because it's a wane um but yeah um we'll talk a lot about that i think in upcoming seasons but i mean i think you summed it up pretty well i mean like penny johnson gerald for just what 13 episodes just incredible although i still stand by i think that you bring her in dead at the end of the season. Like don't have her come mm. in for those like first six or so episodes, which pains me to say because I want more Penny Johnson, Gerald. But um, yeah, like, I mean, I, I'm a big Xander Berkeley fan and obviously it's great to have him as a main cast member uh, and kind of redeeming and everything. So I kind of, I like how that goes. And yeah, like obviously Sarah Winter had a moment as Kate, but like, again, just like with Kim, they just forgot to, forgot about her and then by the end of the season it's like well fuck what do we do with it we've got her for another six episodes like you know like well just what are we what are we meant to do with this woman have her in the bath like why not <laughs> i mean next season we're going to get into it more about how they use kim and how we're fans of that the reason being is that when you bring in a character that is not part of ctu you can't really do anything with them you could introduce them for a storyline like that's why Kate stuff worked when we still had Reza in there and we had Syed Ali because it made sense in the story. But if she's not part of CTU, same as Kim, you just have to keep coming up with these dumb excuses to bring them back, which is what doesn't work in the show. So 
again, through no fault of Sarah Winter or Alicia Cuthbert's, their hands are tied because it's it's a one and done thing, somebody on the outside. Otherwise, it just sort of becomes like, well, how convenient. They're in trouble again. And I think, yeah, they learn from that for the most part because I, I want to say, and please remember me saying this because I could be wrong, but um, for the most part now, anyone they bring in who's not part of CTU is never a 24-episode person. It's kind of like they're mm-hmm. only in first part, middle part, last part, and it kind of works more. Um like there's there's one character next season who annoys the fuck out of me, but he's only in it for like the first maybe six, seven episodes and then kind of that's it. Bye, mate. I'm like, sweet, good. Don't have to deal with him anymore. Um, so they kind of do that better. But I also feel like I'm not thinking of certain people. Um, I mean, they definitely don't do that better next season with Chloe. I know she's a CTU person, but again, Chloe's a pain in the ass in season three. Um, but I mean, having said that, I'm looking forward to just watching that from the lens of everyone loves Chloe now. So maybe kind of, she's a lot more endearing in season three because you know that you will love her. Um, so that'll be interesting. I just want to mention like on, um, on Tony, like, I mean, I think I don't say the issue with Tony, but I feel like at least in season one, when you're kind of slightly suspicious of him you're kind of looking at him different so you don't really know and I think kind of like Carlos Bernard had a good way of like having that sinister face or things like that um whereas like this season around when he is the boss I guess he kind of just um you you know he doesn't really have a whole lot of extra to to do as such like I mean well he does have extra to do but like it's just him being a boss and then punching people and like punching his boss and then gets his leg broken and kind of all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I don't know, like I, I kind of almost like, I see what you're saying, but I just, I just feel like it's more interesting with him in season one, kind of when you're spending a large portion of the season thinking he's evil. Yeah. Um, so when you are kind of watching him as good guy, Tony, um, and this is, this, it's, it's like that weird bridging season for Tony because like, Again, we've talked about how basically they destroy this character of Tony and we'll get angry at what they do with him eventually. But, like, it's kind of weird to have him in this middle phase of first season, is he evil or is he good? Second season, he's the boss. Oh, and he's kind of flirting with an employee. And then from next season onwards, it's all going to be about him and Michelle. Like, that's the story that you care about. So mm-hmm. it's kind of it's, – it's that weird season where I feel like this is the lost Tony. I mean, I'm literally looking at the cast photo <laughs> – and of this season and literally Carlos Bernard is kind of in the background kind of behind George and Kate kind of almost going like hey I'm in this season and I don't have a lot to do that's that interesting but you'll still like me because I'm Carlos Bernard um so I kind of think the cast photo sums up Tony in this season so Mm -hmm. yeah and I like what they do with Tony like it's I I said it all the way back in last season it's something where even just mentally you you still have a hard time accepting Tony because of how much they tried with the is Tony evil thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it really at the same time, there's not that much for him to do other than just be the boss, the boss role. It, it was never designed to be just a nice guy. Who's being the boss. Like the, the, he's filling in for Mason for the majority of the season without that twist of, Oh, well, this is somebody that's going to be at odds with Jack. So he just ends up being, yeah, he's the guy who's willing to help Jack on everything. And so they introduce Michelle in there. Really, that's what saves him this season. Uh, you could say with Chappelle coming at the last minute, that really worked. I just kind of wish that maybe they had had that earlier in the season. But uh, th- there's something with his acting style that, you know, it takes him getting used to being a little bit too relaxed at times. And I-, I definitely felt that even before we started taking notes on a rewatch. 
Uh, and but I, I am excited because I know that this character it's it's almost like Chloe, not to the extent where you're ever annoyed by him, but he's just this isn't what you expect, and you you almost want something different until you realize they've really nailed what they're doing that you didn't like in the first place, but they're not quite at the point where Carlos Bernard's nailed it yet. We're going to go through, like, I guess, the guest stars, and often what we do is we go multi-arc characters and then kind of one episode ones. I'm just going to lump in here because, like, the the one episode ones are kind of just, they're prominent enough that you kind of, I'm going to lump them in here. So, obviously, the main one this season is actually Rachel Owlsworth, who's always a guest star. She's never a main cast, but she's in every episode. So, she is in more episodes than Kim mason and sherry um so but obviously not credited as a main cast member um and then in order of episodes you have Jude chicka 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 cola um as mike novick's in 19 episodes uh lynn remember her falling down the stairs michelle forbes uh she's in 18 episodes and you've got marie warner laura harris is in 14 tv's john terry and movies john terry as bob warner is in 12 episodes and then in appearing in 10 episodes each, you've got Lourdes Benedicto as Carrie Turner. Ugh. Uh, and then Razor, uh, the Oz Network's Philip Reese, um, two-time appearance on this show. Uh, he's in 10 episodes. Um, and then just through some of the other ones. So Harris Yulin's actually nine episodes, completely uncredited as Roger Stanton. Uh, Megan Matheson, ugh. Uh, the dearly departed Sky McCall uh, Bartusiak, rest in peace. Uh not in this show, though. Like, I'm glad she was only in 80 episodes. Um, I'm sure she was a lot better in everything else before she died. Sad. Um, Daniel Day Kim, remember him? Um, he was in eight episodes. Does he have what? any presence? I know. I love you, Daniel Day Kim, but you get shafted in this show. I don't think he has eight lines in eight episodes. <laughs> like, I think I understood him more in, like, the first season and a half of Lost when he was only speaking Korean. Um <laughs> Billy Boyk as Gary Matheson in seven episodes. Like I didn't even realize Miguel's name was Innes Casey. I just want to punch somebody called Innes Casey. That just sounds like a, such a punchable name. <laughs> he plays a shit character anyway. Um, and Australia's own Alan Dale uh, was in seven episodes. But um, was Nina? Was Sarah Clark in six episodes? That can't be right. He wasn't. She wasn't in yeah, that many, was she? I always thought that it was like maybe three or four episodes i i think it's only about four episodes next season maybe even less than four episodes next season and sometimes her season mm, two and season yeah. three kind of blurs for me um yeah but she was in a quarter of this season that doesn't seem right um other notable ones like uh paul schultz's Chappelle, he was in six episodes paula remember her her guts are still all over the wall uh the esteemed sarah gilbert she was in five episodes um Tobin Bell in four episodes and Francesco Quinn as Sayed Ali was in five. So uh, Sayed Ali was in one more episode. Um, and then I guess uh, Max Thomas Kretschmann, uh, two episodes. Um, a few others here and there. And then the one the one time as I wanted to mention, we're not going to mention Eric Christian Olsen as John Mason because, I mean, I didn't mind John Mason in one episode. I know you weren't really a fan. But the other one episode, people, so bookended, very season one people, but like different impacts on this season. Uh, Mia Kirshner as Mandy in one episode. Iconic, great, great into the season. Valacious Shannon as Keith Palmer in one. Remember him? He was in the first episode fishing with his dad. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, who actually follows the Oz Network now on uh, Instagram? Thank you for being one of our followers. Valacious, 
We can never say your name properly. Mr. Shannon. Visilus, Mr. Shannon. Um, I'll just jump in here and I'll say, like, obviously, I'm a massive, massive Michelle fan, so I'm Team Rako Owlsworth. And, like, in all seriousness, whether I'm just being biased or not, she's brilliant this season. I mean, you mentioned many times about how she does a good job of almost coming across as just not dumb in a role, but, like, constantly, like, you know, just almost not knowing what she's doing and making shit up. Like, mm-hmm. like she's good at that. And, like, I think this is what's really well suited to Rako Owlsworth in play. Like, I've seen her in a few other things. She was in Lost. Uh, she was in one of those Alien vs. Predator movies, I think, from memory. Um, you, you know, kind of one of these people who pops up every now and then. But, like, she just, she's just so good in this role. And the chemistry between her and um, Tony is amazing. And just she's she's one of the rare examples on 24 where – I don't want to say with the rare examples. That's a bit unfair. She's one of the examples on 24 when you get a brand-new character and I feel you like them from the beginning. You know, it's it's kind of not like a Chloe next season where, again, I, I would love to know if there are people out there who loved Chloe from the beginning, and maybe there are lots of people. But I feel there's a large portion of people who hated Chloe from the beginning. Um, like Tony from the beginning. Like, there's certain characters where you've got to take a while to warm to them. Whereas, like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you are the exception. I don't know if you've really talked about your love or your dislike for Michelle. But, like, from the minute you have Michelle on your screen, like, I just, I'm, I love her. She's great. She's just a likable character. You kind of connect with her. And it's like you've got, if you think about how this season started, how you introduced to Michelle, oh, she's new. And then you obviously get um, introduced to Paula straight away. Oh, she's new. And this is, again, a CTU thing you're going to have every season. Next season we have freaking... Um, Chloe and what's his face, Mr. Now Famous went on to play Spock. So like you kind of got these people who are just like, fuck, are these going to be the next big things in CTU? And half the time you never see them again. So um, I don't know. She's a rare example for me. Well, not even rare. I keep saying that, Ben. It's not rare. It happens every now and then. 50-50. I I would say going forward, these are going to be the best characters, the ones that just sort of come in and within a second you love them. Yeah, you do have the Chloe's and everything where it takes you a while to warm up, but when you think about other characters like Edgar, for example, like mm-hmm. Edgar is a good example. I mean, they're very different characters. They they, they both look and act differently, <laughs> but yeah, I, she fills that role. You, well, you, I think she just fills that role that they're really going to do well with going forward of CTU is a very dramatic place. There's a lot of intense stuff that's always going on. You, you needed a character that you would instantly like, and it all comes down to picking the right actor too. I think, like, like yeah, I'd agree for the most part with Edgar. I think Edgar has some more annoying stuff. Because, like, Edgar and Chloe sometimes can be like, oh, my God, we're we watching, like, kindergarten right now. But, um, <laughs> I mean, having said that, we obviously had the Michelle Carey storyline, which was just dumb. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, like, I mean, thinking something like Bill. Like, I, I don't feel mm. you dislike, but Bill's kind of the boss position. Whenever a boss comes in, it's always like, oh, they're going to be in Jack's well, yeah. way. So we're going to – but, like, the difference with someone like Bill is that – I think you warm to Bill quite quickly, whereas like, you know, Chappelle and Mason, like you hate these guys and then all of a sudden you like them. Even, um, uh, what's, why have I gone blank on a name? Bill's wife. Is it Karen? Isn't it? Um, yeah. But, yeah. So like even Karen her, is, like yeah. you start, you sort of, you sort of don't like her from the beginning, but then you obviously warm up to them. Um, so I'm trying to think who else in CTU, like you kind of, yeah. Sean Aston. Yeah. But like, he's always a dick. And you only care about him <laughs> in his death scene. Like, spoiler alert. Like, he becomes kind of like the Mason, the, you know, like... Chappelle. Yeah. Um, except it's Sean Astin, and I feel like, well, he was a hobbit, so you don't really dislike him. So, <laughs> um, 
I just like I again, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, so like it's kind of it's lost to me. But was was he in was it fifty first dates when he plays that like Jim Bro or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like he's just that just he just reminds me of that role. <laughs> I'm like, you, oh, I know like, you're, in you're that guy. Have you have you seen that meme? The which, or, I don't which, think it's a meme. I think it's it, it's it's become quite famous. Uh I guess it was something on Twitter where somebody posted it's like, you know, uh today's the day where I realized that the the guy uh, whoever was uh, the guy from Stranger Things also played whoever in Fifty First Dates, and somebody replied saying, "It's like uh, you're telling me that uh, Mikey from the Goonies and Sam from the the, the Hobbit from Lord of the Rings, and you're recognizing them from Stranger Things and Fifty First Dates. Like you're, I can't believe you're that guy. Uh, other people who definitely have seen this. I like, I I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know it was in Stranger Things. I've never seen Stranger Things, but like <laughs> it's it's. I mean, but the thing is, like I. I knew I know he's from Lord of the Rings. This is kind of like Dominic Monaghan when I watched Lost. Like I yeah. never watched Lord of the Rings, so I knew who Dominic Monaghan was in in Lord of the Rings. But to me, he's Charlie from Lost. Um, so when he was like in Star Wars, I mean, was he in Star Wars? Um, and <laughs> when he came to Australia and did that really random shark attack show, like I was excited because I'm like, wow, it's Charlie from Lost. So for me, I'm geeking out over him being in Lost more so than Lord of the Rings, whereas I realised Lord of the Rings has such a fan base out there. Where, you know, it's like when we interviewed, um, what's his face, um, uh, Glover from um, Your Eyes Only and like for, for Julian Glover, like a lot of people would be like, oh no, he's such and such from Star Wars. Like we're like, obviously we know him from that or Indiana Jones, whereas like for us, our concentration was James Bond. So anyway, tangent. Um, I also will add... Obviously, Jude Chicka 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 Cola was like they kind of did a shit thing with his storyline at the end, but still good. Um, John Terry was good for about ten of the twelve episodes. Um, Laura Harris actually was a bit of a star. She was really good, like in her role as Marie Water. And I don't want to take away from Michelle Forbes as Lynn. I know she was in it for basically you know three quarters of this season, and she did a good job. I just feel like her character definitely got a bit on the nose sometimes. Um, Philip Reese raised it fantastic. TV's Alan Dale, fantastic. Um, go Australia. Uh, I mean, Sarah Clark does a great job as Nina in the limited episode she's in. Six of them, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm just going to, like, single out Mia Kirshner for her five minutes of screen time. <laughs> like, seriously, like, like, I don't know if we talked about this as much last week. Like, how good is she in that scene? Which is like, Mr. President, Mr. President. And then she's just got that evil look on her face and then it's just straight away, it's, it's done. Like, it's just, she's so good, Mia Kirshner. Just like... Bring back is Mia Kirshner in Stranger Things? Maybe I'll watch it. Like, <laughs> I love that woman. Not just because you generally see her naked in everything she's in. Like, if you ever watch the L word, which you wouldn't call because it's about sex, um, it's about <laughs> le- lesbian sex. Um, like you see her naked a lot. Um, but hashtag bring back Mia Kirshner. I don't know what she's up to these days, but I hope she's doing stuff because she's great. Love her. She's probably doing stuff fully clothed now. And Glenn Moore shower. Actually, I didn't mention Aaron. Good on you, Glenn. You did a lot more in this season. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, I should mention this. It just came to mind. We watched a Hallmark Christmas movie within the last year or two. Was it filmed in that, Victoria? Uh, <laughs> uh, it was either Victoria or Winnipeg. That's the only places they film. But uh, Mia Kirshner started it. And it was actually, uh, oh, I think, the tell first me that's her movie. career now. <laughs> well, well, but she, she did, I think it was Hallmark's first ever Hanukkah movie. So it, instead of being a Hallmark Christmas movie, they did, we're going to do a Hallmark Hanukkah movie. And she was the star of that. So, I mean, maybe it was just so that she could be the first to ever do a Hanukkah film. I don't know. That's not Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say like she's one of the stars. I mean, I, I don't know if she even has five minutes of screen time in this movie. In Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> this- you watched that show. Did you know she was in that? 
No, I don't think I watched anything past season two. Um, she was a recurring role old. as Amanda Grayson. Oh, no, 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 I do know. Yeah, she plays Spock's mother. So, yeah, she, oh. I, I, I do remember her from that then, yes. Um, but, see, it's it's always the ones that really should have been a, a leading actor of the show, the ones who should have been a permanent cast member. Uh, that's obviously Michelle. She is more of a permanent cast member than half the people who got paid for every episode, even though they're not on this season. Uh, and um, you know, obviously, I mean, Mason, for what he had, he was a permanent cast member. I mean, he, he was the lead actor for a couple episodes. I think even over Jack, it was sort of his show, but you know, when he's gone from the show or when Penny Johnson Gerald's gone from the show, we still had Michelle, you know, we still had uh, Marie even for a lot of that stuff. And uh, Philip Reese, I think is the one that let's really single him out. Cause another one that, you know, I definitely remember the character, but I remembered it more as in like, Oh, those, those uncomfortable scenes between him and Kate, he has some great stuff to do. And I, I think it was fantastic when we had the interview with him, the, the, the 24 interview, the second one we did where he, he, he really confirmed for us, like, no, I had no idea what they were going to do with Reza later on. And you would assume, you know, uh, a Middle Eastern actor doing a role like this in 2003 would be very hesitant. And he's like, it was all blind faith. Like, I just trusted they would do right, but I could have ended up being the terrorist. And what they did with that character being the opposite of what you expect, you think that would make them a boring character. We mentioned Bill, how Bill's kind of brought in. You're like, oh, I know who he's going to be. And then he's like, no, he ends up being the exact opposite of what you expect. Uh, Reza's best stuff is actually when they've revealed, no, he's not a terrorist. And I think that's the more surprising thing that I had. I thought as soon as it's revealed, you know, he dies and then that's it. But he had some fantastic scenes, you know, in the, the whole I guess back and forth between him and Bob, you know, who's, who's the terrorist, who's the one that's helping them. Um, Syed Ali, I think is the other star that I didn't quite remember. I mean, everybody remembers this being the Syed Ali season and it, it's casting that I don't think you could have pulled off in 2022. Nowadays, if you're having a middle Eastern actor, well, if you don't cast a middle Eastern actor, then you're in trouble. Uh, but they cast this Italian guy who pulls it off so perfectly. And still gives you that that moment where you feel sympathetic towards him, even though he is a terrorist. And that, that's important this season too, because he's not going to be the main one. He's not going to be the, the ultimate villain of the season. Uh, and the one scene which I'm going to fight for uh, is really involving him. I mean, so many of these guest stars who have at least as much screen time as Xander Berkeley or Penny Johnson, Gerald, you wish that they would have had a star role. You wish that they would have given them the credit. But I also have always wondered if 24 does that to mess with the audience. And when we get to a Sarah Gavin in one or two seasons, uh, do they throw that in there because they want the audience to feel like, yes, I have to get attached to this actor and this character because they're going to be here for a long time. And they just do that to mess with you. Whereas they'll throw something like Michelle in there where you're like, oh, because she's just a guest star, she's probably going to die. And then she ends up being one of the biggest characters the entire season. I definitely think they do it to mess. And I also think it's like a case of, because they write these, you know, not planning out the whole season, they don't know how it's going to go. I mean, we literally discovered that with Dennis Haysbert. A lot of the reason why they did what they did at the end of this season is because they didn't know he was coming back. Um, so yeah. I, I definitely feel that they'd probably get someone like Ray Carlsworth in, sign up for like, you know, six episodes and go, okay, you're doing well. We can do more with you. Um, you know, we had that last season when you talked to to the actress who played Jamie and kind of like other, you know, characters like that. And then I also think like 
you know, we didn't really have a we didn't have a mold this season in twenty four. That's unusual. Um, but <laughs> so like we had forward. a mole in the U.S. government. It went a little bit bigger. Well, okay, touche. But like, I feel like you know, moving forward, it's like every season, it's okay. They're the mole. Like, it's just like straight away. Like, I mean, next season we have the double bluff of oh, they're a mole, but they're not really a mole. Like, ooh, like clever twenty four. Um, but. It's like that's what I feel they do a lot of the time with like these casts and kind of keep you guessing. And then, yeah, like as you said, are they going to be a main person? Are they not going to be a main person? Things like that. Uh, one thing I just want to quickly mention Mia Kirshner. Uh, so, um, <laughs> of course, again. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel that like I really need to one day watch the vampire diaries because I need to sit down and watch Ian Summerholder be a sexy vampire for however many seasons. But uh, apparently Mia Kirshner was a recurring role in two seasons of The Vampire Diaries. So, like, I mean, if Mia Kirshner and Ian Summerholder, like, hook up, that's just, like, Jesus, like, sign me up. I'm, I'm, that's like Keeper Sutherland and Pierce Brosnan having sex. Like, it's, it's on the same page. <laughs> um, and over on Double Oz 7, you can listen to our coverage of Cowboys and Aliens and maybe one day on the Oz Network we will do the Mia Kirshner film from the year 2000 called Cowboys and Angels. Um, so the well, prequel should we just Cowboys do Hanukkah month and do her Hallmark movie, which is apparently called Love Lights and Hanukkah? Um, yeah, with, with an exclamation mark, Love Lights, Hanukkah. Um, <laughs> and then there's a a lifetime TV film as part of the Rip from the Headlines season. College admission scandal. So I'm guessing is that the whole Felicity Huffman kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so she was apparently in that. So who does she play in that? Does she play um, – she plays Bethany Slade. Okay. Um, good for her. Um, yeah, there was something I was going to mention about – like, oh, I think that the thing that still kind of bugs me about this season is that there's no real clear villain, like – is it Syed Ali? Yeah. Is it Peter Kingsley? Like, it's yeah. is it the US government? Like, it's, it's not even the US government. They're not evil, um, at least in this. Uh, but, like, I don't know. Like, Syed Ali's not evil because he's got nothing to do with the bomb. He's just mm. accused of it. Like, analyse Syed Ali. He has nothing to do with the bomb. He's kind of innocent man from an unnamed Arab country who gets accused of it because everyone's just like, ah, oh, Arab, he must be evil. Um, at the end of the day, he's completely innocent because do we even touch on that? That the Cyprus recording has proven that he's innocent. So this poor guy has just mm-hmm. been killed. Like a poor guy, he's a terrorist. But like, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, like he's a terrorist who didn't do anything wrong on this day. Like poor guy. Like, yeah, yeah, let, let, let's let's but, underline that hasn't done anything wrong on this day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, you know, uh, I'm sure there were terrorist attacks that Osama Bin Laden didn't have anything to do with after 9-11. So like, let's, you know, still a bad guy. But like, yeah, like when when the rest of the world on on nine twelve was like, oh, we got to get Bin Laden. He's like, hey, I haven't done anything wrong today. Give me a break, guys. <laughs> True. Like Harvey Weinstein didn't sexually assault anyone today, so like, I mean, you know, good for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, Noah hasn't said anything racist on this podcast today. Yeah, Will Smith didn't slap anyone today, so um, yeah. not that we know of. I mean, I'm sure he just walks around his Hollywood mansion like, get me some soup, slap. Um, <laughs> But, you know, but so again, I guess Peter Kingsley is the big bad of this season, which you've got freaking Tobin Bell and you have him in four episodes stabbing random woman in a cut scene and then getting shot by CTU helicopter. It's kind of like, again, this is the thing with this season. You literally forget that Tobin Bell, again, pre-saw, pre like everything else is in fame, 
But still, like, pretty big deal to have Tobin Bell as a villain. And then, like, you just kind of go, oh, yeah, he was sort of the big bad of season two. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I remember Dennis Hopper more. I remember Paul Blackthorne next season a lot more. Victor Azadu, whatever his name is, in season four. Like, I mean, kind of like you remember these people. Whereas, like, oh, yeah, did Tobin you, Bell was kind of the big bad you, of season two. Did you just call Arnold Vosloo Victor Abdu? <laughs> Call me John Travolta. Like I just make up <laughs> names on the spot. <laughs> Victor uh, Andrew and Arnold Vosley, kind of, kind of similar. I have a question for you. Um, this goes along with what I think the problem is. But do you think that Kingsley should have been revealed to everybody else, all the other characters, as being a villain earlier, or do you think it works better that Jack? has that one thing where he's the only one who believes that this Kingsley guy is, exists. And then at the last minute, it's like, oh, yeah, this is the villain. Or do you think that, you know, they should have five episodes to go been like, we know that this Kingsley guy is behind it. Even if it's not every, even if it's not Prescott, maybe even Palmer being like, oh, it has to be Kingsley. Because I, I think the problem is you can't treat him the same way as you could Dennis Hopper. He has, I, I was actually surprised to hear he had four episodes because I think Dennis Hopper had five. It's really mm. not that much more. And he feels like so much more of a villain. But the problem is, is that nobody is really treating him. None of the characters treat Kingsley as a villain except for Jack. And even Jack, it's only like with, two, I think, two episodes left to go where he's like, all right, now we got to find beforehand. He's like, I've heard the name, but I just got to find this recording. I think you needed somebody to be looking for him. I think you needed him to do more than just be the occasional guy on a phone. I agree. Because I think you, I mean, the last episode is literally when Palmer and Mike are on board with his name. I mean, I think... I think a lot of the reason why you think Syed Ali is the main villain is this season because his name gets mentioned. You know who he is. And then even you've got that scene with like Kate when she's getting tortured and he's like, my name is Syed Ali. Do you know who I am? And of course she's all like, yes, I've heard of you. You're that evil terrorist. Like it's kind of like there's that build up to him. Whereas, yeah, like Peter Kingsley, like again, literally struggled to remember he's technically the big bad because it's sort of, yeah. He gets brought in late and then it's just treated away. Because, like, every season of 24 with any of the main villain, even if it's the MacGuffin and it's kind of like, oh, they're not really the villain, there's somebody bigger than them, which is a general 24 thing. I mean, next season, you don't get um, Saunders until, you know, the last third. And then by then, like, clearly the big bad and it all makes sense, whereas it's a lot of the time it's all, you know, sort of the first half when it's with the um, the, the, the family, the, the uh, why have I gone blank on their name? Yeah, the, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You know who you're talking about. Um, so whereas in like season four, you have the unique thing. What did I call him? Vic, yeah, Victor, what's his name in season Victor four? Victor Abdu, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the unique season where he's the villain from the first scene to the last scene, basically. And I kind of like that season five. Well, don't want to reveal who the big bad is of that season because, you know, spoiler alert. But then you, you still have the MacGuffin of this is the person you're after. Season six, this is the person you're after. Then it changes it, but you still get to know the big bad earlier. Whereas yeah, here it's just like, Hey, it's that guy who will be in those Saw movies. He's on a phone and now he's in the Coliseum getting shot. Oh, was he the big bad? Like it's kind of, but then it's almost like second wave at the beginning and then Coral Snake. Like there's so many things that are just dropped yeah. and mentioned this season. It's like, well, who's worse? Second wave, Coral Snake, freaking Sider Lee, Peter Kingsley, uh, Lynn. Uh, like, <laughs> Carrie, Carrie's the evil one this season. She's definitely. The actually, cougar. no, come on. We do, with the cougar, I was going to say, we definitely know it's Gary Matheson, the serial <laughs> killer by the end. Um but again, it's just everyone's all over the place this season. So it's, the real villain of season two is season two. 
exactly. <laughs> but but I think that um, the the motives for Kingsley doing this comes in so late in the season that it's almost like Jack's heart condition. They're like, oh, that that's right. He wanted something with oil, right? Like it's it's almost glossed over. Whereas everything else, you know, second wave and uh, Coral Snake, they're given, I guess, more of a purpose than Kingsley is. And I never struggle to remember that Kingsley is the villain of the season because you just remember this guy Kingsley that they're looking for and because he looks really creepy, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think that what, when even Jack doesn't realize that Kingsley exists until a few episodes left to go and when his name is dropped, it's just sort of like, yeah, this guy might be behind everything. I think we needed to see him. I, I, I'm not saying I'm turning around on how it was handled, but we needed more of him killing random women. Not the same woman. I don't mean she's going to be killed at every... Oh, she's dead. It's, she's Kenny from South Park. Oh, random woman's dead. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. But, you killed random woman. You bastard. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But, like, that that came with, what, like, two episodes left to go, and we were just saying, like, well, that just sort of came out of nowhere, and the only rationalization is you needed to sell to the audience that this guy is evil, but if we had had more building him up as evil and not just the mysterious guy on the phone, then I think that he would have stood out more as a proper villain. And then the issue then you have is then that I guess the argument would probably be that Max is the big bad because then Max is yeah. kind of like – and like I li- like I've talked about this in the last couple of weeks. I like this idea that you get Max and then Max is on the phone to another guy. So like you kind of got this shady organization that like this is where again like you get a bit of it in the game. But even like having watched all the cutscenes of the game, we'll talk about that next week. It's not as explored as I remembered. Like I feel like this is something moving forward that we should be like getting to the end of this like – sinister organization that did this and like you will do this later on when it kind of gets the season five storyline about sort of government interference that kind of is the whole thing moving forward of 24 from that point on that they always come back to and it's it's good and bad but i don't know you've got max you've got random guy in a cafe um you know again like they're controlling they're pulling the strings and but then kind of season three it's like yeah no let's forget about all that let's just move on (laughs) like it's I feel like you definitely had a level there you could explore that because it, it does open yeah. up some doors. We're like, oh, Max, who's this guy? Like, who's Guy in Cafe? Like, it's, yeah, but anyway. Um, going over the episodes, generally the, the good, the bad. Um, again, as always with 24, it's always an interesting one to like, hey, remember this one because it's a timestamp. Um, but I do have some statistics, statistics, Colin, when it comes to our buy, rents, and bins. Uh, so I can say that this season you bought 10 episodes, rented eight, binned six. I bought nine, rented 11, binned four. Compare that to season one. Uh, so you bought three less this season. You bought 13 last season. You rented two more this season. You rented six last season. You actually only binned one more than last season. You binned five episodes in season one and six this season. Um, I bought, but, but I'm, more, I'm more passionate about my bins this season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually bought five more in season one. So I bought 14 in season one, only nine in season two. I rented seven in season one, 11 in season two. And I, well, I binned three in season one and only four in season two. So kind of close there. Um, but in terms of like the rankings of the episodes, so, Uh, I mean, to me personally, easily the best episode of the season was the 15th episode. That's the one where the bomb goes off. Um, I've got that ranked as number three overall. And then my other two in the top 10. So I had the finale at number nine uh, as the second best episode. And your beloved episode 19, the kind of batshit crazy episode that I just loved and you hated. uh, I've got that at number 10 to the third best overall. 
Um, and the worst by far, episode 11, the cougar episode. And not just for the cougar. There was other shit going down in that episode, which made it bad. Uh, and then I've got here episode six as the second worst episode of 24 right now on my list, which 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Again, this is the problem with looking at those. It's like, what happened in 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. that I made it the second worst episode of 24? Um, but... Yeah, again, it's all over the place when it comes to the buys, rents, and bins this season. I've got uh, only 10 episodes in my top half of season two. The other 14 are season one episodes. So um, I've only got one episode of this season in the top five and only three in the top 10. So that kind of relates season one versus season two for me. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of looking to see how many I have in my top 10 from season two. Uh, I have one, two, I have three episodes from season two in my top 10. So right now my top 10 is made up of 70% season one episodes. And that kind of just tells you all you need to know about season two. You know, there's some good in there, but it's mostly mediocre leaning towards garbage. I'm looking to episode six. Jack takes charge of the Nina Myers interrogation. Sherry returns the information on the conspiracy against Palmer. So why was that so bad? Again, we can tell that we record these over so many weeks and months that we can't even remember. Like, why was that episode bad? Um, so, yeah, what was your best and worst episode? Uh, my worst was the same as yours. It was uh, episode 11. Uh, and my best was uh, The Bomb. So I had The Bomb. The same. You had the same as me. Yeah, The Bomb is the only one that made my top five um, of for this season. Yeah, and then... Actually, no, it was 21 or 19, the boardroom episode. 21. It was, 20, it was 21 because I'm yeah, looking. I've got 21 my as my highest. fourth. That's my fourth highest. There you go. Interesting. Um, which, I get, again, I guess if there's anything else pressing from this season you want to revisit, I guess we can move into our sort of rankings and our, uh, our lovely conversation point of top five. I mean, any final just kind of things you want to mention or things that we haven't talked about before we get into the easy ranking of the seasons? I mean, that's not going to be hard. Yeah, we spent so much of the season debating on Mike versus David uh, that I, I kind of want to get your take at the end of the season because I definitely came into the season as Team Mike, uh, more so just feeling the way that they handled his character was completely wrong. And there were there were definitely moments where I think I was more swayed as I'm like, you know what, maybe... Maybe Mike's not as in the right as I thought, but I feel like the way that this season ended, I'm even more so Team Mike. Uh, this is sort of our, our team Melanie versus Tim last season, uh, yeah. team Mike or Palmer. I, I think it, it's the fact that if you had had him give Mike a free pass, like he's going to give everybody else in the government and his ex-wife, all the people who are more guilty, then I don't think I would be siding with Mike as much. But he is probably the one character in this show that David should give a second chance to, and he's the only one that he doesn't. I think the only thing that I have with it is that um... – they need to play up more on their relationship for like, I mean, I definitely like, I'm with you. I know what you mean. Like I kind of care that he doesn't give him a free pass at the end, but like, I don't know. I just feel you need to like have him be a bit more like, you're my friend, Mike. Like, how did you do that? You're the one that betrayed me the most. Like we were brothers, Mike. We were I brothers. love you. <laughs> you were the chosen one. <laughs> you were meant to bring balance to the government, not betray it. <laughs> how good does not that trailer look for that, by the way? Oh, are we are we doing every episode of that when it's on? Uh, like, oh, absolutely! I am one hundred percent up for that. That just let that that trailer gave me chills. Um, I'm more excited for that oh, than wait. any of the Disney sequels. 
nobody can see your shirt right now. I can see it. But uh, when you came on, on, on the line, I couldn't see Han Solo and Luke Skywalker on your shirt or Princess. I never saw Princess Leia till now. Oh, it says friend zone. Yeah. Now I get zone. it. Yeah. But but uh, all I could see because of the angle you're sitting at was Lando's head. And it took me probably two or three minutes to uh, wonder why you were wearing a Lionel Richie shirt. And I'm like, no, that's Lando. As soon as the I only saw the top half of his head, I'm like, he must be a big fan of the Commodores or something. <laughs> Somehow it always comes back to Lionel Richie, doesn't it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, yeah. What were we just talking about? Oh, Mike, David. Um, like, I don't think we really even touched too much on the fact that David kind of, as the first season's president, that's pretty important this season. Um, but like, kind of a shit president for most of it. Um, you know, nuclear bomb about to go off when he's just sitting around having arguments with his ex-wife. Um, and then kind of you feel for him when he actually turns presidential. Um, it's tricky because I think by the time we get Mike versus David, I'm definitely probably team David just because it's that point where I'm like, oh, I love David. He's so great. What a nice man, even though he's kind of spent the first half of the season being really shit. Um, but like it's, it's, I think this is what's, you know, we seem to be ripping into the writing this season. Um, but like credit for the writing for the Mike character, even though I don't necessarily agree with how they wrap it up and it becomes rushed, but like, I think they do enough with the character of Mike this season where we're having this conversation right now. Like, do you, is he right? Is he wrong? And I think kind of like, he's got two sides of it. Like he's, he's doing his job. Um, and he's not really doing anything wrong. I mean, what he's doing wrong is maybe betraying David, but like he's got reasons for why he's doing what he's doing. And it's kind of, he's got precedent for it. And, you know, like it's kind of, he's conflicted too. Yeah, he is. And I think Jude Chicka Chicka Cola does a good job in that. And I think it's similar to, it's a weird comparison, but it's kind of similar to me with Sherry in season one. It's like, well, does Sherry really do anything wrong? Like, it's kind of not really. Like, you can see why she's doing what she's doing. I mean, okay, Mike doesn't force, like, David to fuck someone else. But, like, it's kind of, I mean, I'd like to see that. But, uh, hey, Aaron, David really likes you. (laughs) And, like, in all fairness, when they do have that, that's why I love the the trial episode so much because they start to reveal things that that, that explains their thinking, why they think that David's not in the right mind. And when they say things like he's detaining the press against their will, he is torturing the director of the NSA. Literally, he is the one doing the torture. He's in the room. Yeah. Uh, you, you. I think I do side with Mike a little bit more because I could see, at least from Mike's point of view, David's done some pretty sketchy things this season. Which, again, as a journalist, come on. Uh, <laughs> I'm offended by Mike Whelan or whatever it is, Ron Whelan, whatever that guy's name was, that, that press guy. We didn't mention him in the recurring cast. Um Season one, number one, season two, number two. There, that's my rankings. Yeah, same there. <laughs> Easy. Um, so, I guess uh, top five. Now, this is going to be interesting because, again, last season we basically had like four locks. <laughs> like it was like boom, 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 done. Our number one was easy. And I feel like our number one this season could be pretty easy. But I've got my list here of the ones that I've kept track on. So um, I can go through these and then if there's any here that you want to add and then we can kind of like just go over and sort of see what are certainties and what we're going to debate. So in order from uh, all the episodes, from episode one, I have Jack beheading. We're going to need a hacksaw, like bang, shoot, like, you know, the closing of the episode. Uh, Episode three, the, uh, the bomb going off in CTU. Um, number six, episode six, I've got the Jack and Nina interrogation when he's like pinning her against the wall and shooting and all that kind of stuff. 
uh, episode seven, the the farewell between Mason and his son. Um, episode eight, and the one that I'm going to defend, and I feel we're going to debate over this. Um, the the section at the end of the episode where Jack's talking to Nina on the plane. You know, that's what you took from me. Like the speech about Terry. Um, episode nine, the phone call with Nina and Palmer. Basically, you know, you will be excused for the murder of Jack Bauer. Um, episode 10, the reveal that Marie is evil when she kills Razor. Like, you're really sweet. Bang, you're dead. Um, episode 12, the call between Kate and Marie when Kate basically is, like, trying to play Marie. And Marie's like, how do you know? And it's like, ooh, evil. Um, and in the same episode, Jack killing Syedalee's family, only to be revealed that, obviously, he's not that much of a bastard. Uh, episode 14, Mason leaving CTU, getting a silent clock. Um, episode 15, the Kim and Jack phone call, call, uh, that episode before the bomb goes off episode 15, the bomb going off, uh, episode 19, the Tony and Michelle kiss in the corridor in your beloved episode. Uh, also in episode 19, Jack dying at the end. Uh, then in episode 21, I've got Palmer's like his speech where he's kind of like, look at me, do I look disabled? Am I, you know, whatever. And then the same episode, him being overthrown. And then the two in the final episode, I've got the final fight, kind of like the the whole Sherry Kingsley speech that leads up into the run, Sherry! And like the action scene. And then, of course, the final scene, uh, Palmer's assassination attempt. So is there any that are glaring that I haven't added there as potential nominees? No, I mean, you covered all, I only had seven on my list. Um, there's one that you had where I'm like, oh, I can't believe I didn't have that on my list. So uh, the ones that I was uh, going to push for was the hacksaw, um, mm-hmm. the the Nina, Jack and Palmer, you know, uh, pardon for Jack's murder thing. Um, the uh, Syed Ali's son's fake death, uh, the Mason death with the bomb, the Palmer and Prescott, the vote part with uh, Palmer and Prescott. Uh, and the, the Coliseum uh, finale and then Palmer collapsing. But I really, I'm really for, now that you mentioned it, the, the Marie turn and the raise of death. And I don't know why I didn't put that on here in the first place, but I, I would actually argue that over at least half of the ones that I do have on my list here. Okay. The only two that I will 100% say like, well, the three, there's three to me, which 100% should be on here. That is the Jack beheading. We're going to need a hacksaw. Um, the bomb going off. And the assassination attempt at the end. There to me, mm-hmm. the three, like, these are the ones that have to be on there. Um, and yeah. they're probably realistically the final three. Like the, the one, two, and three. Because, um, I mean, you can't not have Palmer nearly dying at the end. The bomb, obviously, is a, a moment. And the Jack, we're going to need a hacksaw. That's just, that's up there with the the torture from last season. Um, so, you know, like it's just, it's just an iconic moment and it's a very Jack moment. So like that to me is, is definitely there. Um, so they're the three for me that are locked. So this is where I think we're going to have some interesting ones. <laughs> Cause if I'm choosing this, like if it's me, I would go the Jack talk with Terry about Terry on the plane. Um, and I mean, look, I love the Tony Michelle kiss. Um, they made my 24 moments of 24, as you know. Um, but I know you're not going to be on board probably for those two. Um, yeah, the, the, like I, the razor turn, like the Marie's evil razor, like that is just something that I think gets overlooked in this season. Cause again, I mm-hmm. think you and I are like, like that's probably the best storyline of this season when it's good at the beginning. Um, so I mean, like I would be happy with that, but like, then it comes down to, yeah, I'm on board with the Coliseum fight. 
Um, but then like I love like something from the boardroom, like whether it's Palmer overturned or his speech, you know, um, of that. Um, like I, I wouldn't have thought that I would be willing to let this one go, but the, the Coliseum showdown, which I think I always would have held as the best. I'm not saying it, it, it takes away. I mean, it is an epic finale, but it's almost too big and breaking it up. I don't feel like any of the individual sections on their own are worthy of this list. It's sort of everything as a whole, but that's like, that's a 15 minute section. So I almost feel mm. like that's too big for this. Um, interestingly enough, I would have actually had the hacksaw a little bit lower uh, I know when you guys did Breaking Bad, uh, was it season two? Um, Danny Trejo's head on a turtle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the debates. It's like, is it, is it like a big enough moment considering like it is I definitely think memorable. Fought, I think but... I fought for that to make it. Like that was kind of yeah. one of those iconic, because we had in, I think, I don't know if you obviously through to season five episodes and spoiler alert, people who are not that far, but I'm pretty sure with season five, like we didn't have the same I name make the top five, which we're going to get shot down for. Cause like, there's just so mm. many moments in season five that you can't have this iconic say my name, make it. Um, it's like, wow. Okay. I'm pretty sure that was one. Didn't make it anyway. Sorry to interrupt. The other thing is um, the, the two scenes that I feel like are both very similar and you really have to pick one or the other is the, the faking Syed Ali's son's death and then raises death. Um, they're both like these shots. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have said that before we came into this episode. Um, even if I had remembered, I don't think I would have said it, but it, it's, it was such a shocking turn and where they went from there didn't disappoint the side Ali something. It, the fact that it ends up being a trick almost brings it down a little bit, you know, because it is the shock of, I can't believe that he just killed a child. Whereas th- there's really a lot of follow through with Ray's death. And I think the thing too is that that like if you remember in that episode, it's actually about three or four scenes that are separated with Jack killing the the kid, like because um, it, it doesn't all happen in one scene. And I think kind of you've already like Nick does it very well in the Breaking Bad ones, where he kind of goes like, "Oh, you you have a scene from this and then and like you try and spread it a little bit where you can." And I think we've kind of got this shocking Jack moment of the we're going to need a hacksaw already. Uh, and like I just think that the the turn of Marie, because like again we talked this up like. No one suspected Marie was evil. Like, yeah. you, you suspected Ray's that, and then you even started to suspect Bob. Like, I remember mm. watching that for the first time going, holy fuck, she's evil. And I just, I love the way it's kind of like where Ray's is at the computer and it's like, wait, the only other person who would have access would be the near here. Pew, pew. And then he's just like, what are you doing? And he's like, I loved you. And it's like, you're really sweet. Bang. It's like, oh, she's evil. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would be very happy if that made the top five. So, are we both in agreement of that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll definitely go with that one. Okay, so we haven't mentioned the cougar. Should that make the top five? Um, like, <laughs> oh, I'm totally making. I'm totally making the video. I did that with um, the season of Breaking Bad where Nick loved the bit where um, uh, Walt grabs his like crotch and is like, "You want your restraining order? It's right here." Um, like, I'm totally going to make the video where number one is Kim versus the cougar, and I'm just going to do like a record scratch and spoiler alert. That's going to be the joke that I shouldn't have spoiled for you. Um, so our fifth one. Um, so. I mean, what are you, what are your, some of your key ones here? Again, I'm going to fight for Jack Talks with Nina on the plane. You're not going to like that. Um, like one of the Palmer bits from the interrogate, uh, the boardroom episode. And if so, is it that, is it him being that would be my choice? Or? Yeah, I, I would say the vote would be my choice um, of all the ones that we have left. But I mean, yeah. I, at the same time, though, I really love the the Nina Jack and Palmer thing. So. 
I, I, yeah. yeah, I would, I would, I think I would lean more towards the Nina Jack and Palmer. I think, I mean, I feel like Nina's got to be there somewhere because she's, you know, like, I mean, there's going to be a Nina scene next season, obviously, a very obvious one. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, the acting I, in that one. It, it's, Dennis if Hayes I were to pick out, in that. yeah, I mean, everybody's great in that bit, especially Dennis Haysbert. But if I were to pick what is probably the best acted scene, in this entire season, I'd probably go with that one. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Like, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, again, I want to push the Jack talks Terry, but you're not going to like that. So, yeah, no, I, yeah, I'll, I'd go with that. It's got Nina and it's got Palmer in it. We've got Jack in it. Um, I mean, the the vote of him being overthrown is great, but like, it's um, I don't know. I think you cover some more boxes of that one. Okay, so our five then. We're just going to work the order. So, Jack episode one, Jack beheading, um. Nina Cole with Palmer from episode nine, Marie's evil episode 10, the bomb goes off episode 15 and Palmer assassination attempt. Um, my clear number one is either like, honestly, I think the number one for me is Palmer's assassination attempt. That's just me. But I mean, maybe the bomb going off, like they're the two, I think you debate there, but I, I would say my number one is definitely the assassination attempt with Palmer at the end. That's, that's me. See, I would have gone with the bomb over that. Um, right. it's no knock against palmer again it comes down to how how important is this for the show going forward and palmer's assassination was like definitely the biggest shock but we kind of know it goes nowhere big it goes a little somewhere but it goes nowhere big whereas the bomb it's such a huge moment in the show and it's it's one thing you never thought they would do you think with Palmer being assassinated, it, it could have happened in season one. The shock is really just that it happened when it did in season two. But with the bomb, I don't think I ever would have expected that a television show would have a nuclear bomb explode. Yeah, all right, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you. So number one, bomb goes off. Two, Palmer's assassination attempt. Yeah, I would go with that for number two. Um, I mean, I would again put... We're going to need a hacksaw at number three, but like, I mean, do you have an obvious five or a three here for the last three that we've got? Um, so, so we have Marie Reza, we have hacksaw, and we have the phone call with Palmer, the, Nina, and Jack. That's tough. Hacksaw, it's something that any fan would know. Would I say it's as memorable for me as the Nina, um, Jack, and Palmer scene? No, but. If you say those words, we're going to need a hacksaw or even you just say hacksaw, you know, people know that moment. I think it, it's too iconic of a moment to have lower on the list. Yeah. And I think like, and again, I think you talk about things moving forward. I mean, we got glimmers of who Jack really is sometimes like last season when we had the, you know, the Ted interrogation scene, which made our top five. And I think that only came in at number fifth, uh, number five. Um, so like, I think that like, they're really amping up the Jack and they've definitely amped up the Jack this season. Um, So yeah, like that's to me, like it's that iconic nature of it. Whereas again, like I I would honestly think that this sort of Marie being evil and the Nina phone call with Palmer, you know, some people would not have them on their top five moments of this season. You know what I mean? Whereas I think the other three that we've just mentioned, I mean, they were the three that we straight away were just like these three, like they're the three Mm -hmm. blocks. So I would put Jack, yeah, Hacksaw number three. Um, and I would maybe put Marie's evil number four, the phone call number five. That would just be me. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. So that was actually quicker than I thought. That's what she said. <laughs> um, from five down to number one, 
uh, from episode nine, Nina on the phone with Palmer and Jack basically saying like, hey, I want a presidential pardon and I want it for a crime I haven't committed yet. The murder of Jack Bauer. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, and number four, Marie is evil. She kills Razor. He's sweet, but he's dead. Uh, and number three, from the first episode, the closing of the episode where Jack kills the pedo guy. So we're going to need a hacksaw. Um, number two, the closing moments of the entire season. Mandy tries to assassinate Palmer and he collapses and you've got the whole breathing at the end. And number one, the bomb goes off. Uh, episode 15, uh, they went full nuke and they did because they blew up the desert. Um, they've been to a desert with a horse with no name. Well, that horse is dead because it got nuked. Um, so anything else to add? Um, do you have anything on those moments or anything? And we can talk about what we're doing next week. Uh, I, I think that, uh, do you have an honorable mention of the, of the ones that didn't make the list here? What would have been your number one? Uh, my number one would always be the assassination. I uh, do you mean like number one of the ones that didn't make it. So like, as in yeah. like, what was my number? Oh, the, the Jack on the plane with Nina, you know, that's what you took from me. Yeah. And, and that's, that wouldn't have even come close to making mine. Uh, I mean, I would have gone with the vote, uh, or even Ollie's son's death, but, um, yeah, I, that, there's definitely a lot of moments in the season that we disagreed on or, or preferred one over the other. Because it's interesting. I preferred the Nina uh, Palmer, the future murder of Jack Bauer scene over the airplane one. Uh, and then the other one that I think we we disagreed on a lot was, um, um, why am I drawing a blank now? The kiss. The kiss, yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. I preferred just the, the hand-holding thing uh, that they had uh, a that's couple of years later. Prude. Oh, hand-holding is second base to me. That's what you discovered the other day. Uh, whereas, like, you well, know, hand-holding didn't... That's porn. Hand-holding, hand-holding didn't lead to Carrie being obnoxious for four weeks. But I think, like, one thing that I think I will say about the 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 on-the-plane moment, which, yeah, I think we one thing I actually agreed, and you made a good point in that episode, was that it does kind of get destroyed a little bit when they blow up the plane, like, two seconds later. Like, it's just yeah. kind of like, just end it on the... You need to end it on that line when Jack literally says, that's what you took from me, Nina. That's what you took. Boom. End. That's heartbreaking. Right there. End it. Um, I've just always loved that scene. I think you talk about best acted scenes. Like, Keeva Sutherland right there, give him an Emmy. Give him, an Emmy. give him a golden one. He's amazing in that scene. Um, and, but, and again, I just, I'm the kiss because it's just like, I'm such on board with Team Michelle and Tony and... You know, I just think of the way it's done, like, it's just like you just legitimately want to watch these two fuck, like, right there. Like, fuck, these two are good together. Like, holy crap. Even prudish Colin is like, oh, they're sexy. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, other one, like, I, I, like, I kind of, like, that Kim and Jack phone call in episode 15 was pretty good. The George leaving CTU is a nice little moment with the silent clock. And actually, mm-hmm. the one that I've, like, not even mentioned, because I think it's, I just the way it was promoted and it was, you know, even though I know you don't think really like the cliffhanger because you didn't like the episode, but Jack dying, like, it's just kind of like, you know, that's a pretty prominent, I mean, that made the, from memory, my 24 moments of 24, um, mm-hmm. Jack dying. So, and plus Keith Sutherland's naked in it. Like, come on. Um, why wouldn't you like that? Um, next week we are doing sort of an episode that we only really discovered we're going to do about three weeks ago. <laughs> so we are going to do an episode on 24, the game. Now um, I would wish I could say that I sat down and played it. Uh, Cause I wish I still had my PlayStation 2 where I could play the game. But um, if people want to kind of prep for it, do some homework. Uh, if you go to YouTube and type in 24, the game, you've got two options. You can watch six hours worth of gameplay and cutscenes. <laughs> 
or you can just watch the hour and a half cutscenes. Um, so we're just basically kind of like what we do with the episodes, but obviously there's going to be, it's, I mean, famous last words where it's going to be a lot less to talk about. Um, where we're just going to kind of go over the storyline and kind of just thoughts and memories of, cause again, I haven't played it in like 16 years. So it's been a while, but, um, it's more about the story cause it's, it's canon. It's, and it like, it, it actually ties up a lot of, well, some loose ends from season two and also gives you like some introduction to some season three stuff like Chase, for example, um, you know, Kim working at CTU, like things like that are going to be a thing in the game. So I don't know if you've watched the whole thing. I've watched the whole thing. It's um, definitely some elements in it where I'm like, okay, I remember that. And there are definitely some great things that they do in it. And I almost like watch the majority of this going like, wow, this would have been a good season. But then there's also some stuff where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. 24 has got a 24. Um, so, but there's also some like good little carrots of kind of like, Ooh, the government is evil. Like they kind of do something a little bit in this, which maybe like, I think the game was released just before season five or was it in season five? So maybe this was just the flavor of the month that they were doing. Ooh, the government's evil, but it's the Californian government, not the federal government. (laughs) So this was um, during Schwarzenegger's time too. It was, but, um, yeah, like it's, it's going to be interesting to talk about because the, the thing that's going to be less like to talk about is, like it's a video game. So like the emotions and things like that, like, and plus PlayStation two video game, an Xbox video game where like things like emotion in faces on video games didn't exist. So Jack Bauer kind of just looks like a stunned mullet the entire game. Um, and like no disrespect to Sarah Winter. She's not a very good video game actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. And, and there's a cameo from someone in it, which I completely forgot was in the game. So I was like, Oh, I forgot that they were in the game. It's like a two second scene, but it's still cool. Three, actually there's two cameos. One of them doesn't say anything, but the other, they got the actor to come back to play and say like three lines. And that was it. It's like, Ooh, is it Janet? Please tell me it's Janet. It's not Janet. Sadly, no Janet. Uh, uh- I, I don't think I would have ever had an interest in covering just an episode on, oh, there was this video game. It's the story that we want to cover because it yeah. is an important story uh, that, like you said, it ties up season two. It introduces season three. You can get by without it, but it definitely helps to have it. Uh, so, yeah, the 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 90-minute video, I've not yet watched it, but I did go back over and read over the story because I never I never saw the end of the game. I, I rarely can finish getting video games and um, I, I was curious to see, well, how did the story wrap up? So I did read the plot and I think that's what really sold me on. We should do this video game episode is because the plot is, it is quite good. Uh, it's maybe better than a lot of stuff we got in season two, but it's important because it's, it's, it's one of the few things that one of the few tie-ins where I feel like it's canon because it actually matters to what happens in the story and to the characters and not just because we introduce something that you can call it canon because it doesn't contradict anything else. Like I think it is an important story still. So I'm really curious to rewatch it and see things like the animation or, or whatever, how well it holds yeah, up. Don't, don't, don't but, hold up hope for that. Let's just yeah, say that. But I mean, we, we get the voice cast. I think that's exciting too. Yeah. And like for the most part, like the voice cast does it like Carlos Bernard actually pretty good at voice casting on a video game um like okay maybe that's what you need to do carlos um and so is Kiefer. like of course Kiefer is but like i also love like i didn't count it so maybe if you want to do some extra homework please count the dammits because i feel like they go overboard with the dammits with jack bauer in this in this game but um we get james is that a computer glitch (laughs) maybe damn it damn it damn it damn it like yeah james badge dale gets introduced uh, the esteemed um and I feel like Chloe's only in it for like five seconds. Uh, like I actually thought she was in it a lot more. 
but she's not. And we get, what's his face? Um, Aaron, uh, Mr. Spock moving forward. Um, no, Zachary big, Quinto. Thank you, Zachary Quinto. Um, the Adam. Big celebrity. Adam. Um, not Alan. Um, but anyway, that's next week. That's a video game. Um, yeah, play it. You've got a week, people. Good job, Ian. Hurry up. Go get your PlayStation 2 out. Um, and outside of that, obviously, out of the video game, we'll talk season three, but we'll probably mention that again next week. Um, Breaking Bad's happening. Lost is back. Good for them, I think. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Jennifer Garner month, I think. Are we still in that? Probably. If not, if it's been gone, listen to it. Colin does a great job on those. Loved all those episodes, Colin. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And other shit that's happening. And you can also listen to our award-winning podcast, Off the Podium, uh, yes. that won an award, Sports Podcast Award, Best Olympics and Paralympics Podcast, Suck It Oz Network, can't <laughs> win a fucking award, um, but we have one Patreon. That's all that matters. Um, <laughs> we make money off this show. Uh, we just win awards, which we don't even get a trophy for. Cheap. Um <laughs> I'm so grateful that we won that award. Thank you, Sports Podcast. Yeah. It's great. Um, just shut up and close the episode out, Ben. My name is Ben, and that came out wrong. Uh, and my name is Colin, and that came out right. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>